This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. John Aston, welcome back to the show. Great to be here, Zuma. You, Brother, we did a show before, like every time I see you, I'm just filled with joy. Because I know after hanging out with you for like five minutes, it's like dropping an entire bag of mushrooms right onto my brain. <laughs> because you are, you're a author, a teacher, a musician, a psychologist, you teach here in town. I found you through Sam Harris uh, and his Waking Up app and listened to your meditations and your conversation there. And I was just like, this, so much this, that we had a long two hour conversation last time. And I was like, we got it. So then we had dinner and we hung out and I'm like, let's just have a conversation again about the nature of this this moment. And so thanks for coming back. Man. Absolutely. It's always fun to talk with you. It's a hoot, man. Yeah. So before you came, I was, um, I, I was like, ah, you know, I should, I should just take a few minutes and meditate a little bit and get in the headspace of this. And I, and I did. And then I was like, I just felt compelled to open Sam's app and do the last couple meditations that you were uh, guiding on that app. Mm -hmm. And one of them was called, um, who are we? Mm -hmm. And it's really quite remarkable because, and, and what, what we'll probably, I may ask you to do if you, if you don't mind mm -hmm. is like walk us through some of these because there's, there's such great pointers right to this. Mm -hmm. And this one was amazing because what it was, was, hey, you know, we think we're this, and we have this story and we have mm -hmm. this body and we have all these beliefs and emotions. And, mm -hmm. and then we think, oh, maybe I'm, you know, actually my experiences, maybe that's what I am. And, right. and so let's just look. And yeah. you kind of point to, okay, here's our experience. And then go a little deeper into that experience. And what do you, and by the end of the meditation, you experientially realize you have no effing idea what you are. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> and uh, so, so, I mean, ha talk a little bit about that because. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I was talking about this on my last Zoom meeting um, this past Sunday, how we were basically consciousnesses sort of picking particular parts of the field of experience and then identifying with those, like that's what I am. I'm, I'm the body or I'm this personality or um, I'm this mind or whatever it is that consciousness is sort of identifying with that sort of piece. Because this is what's interesting. There's this, I call it the field of experience, what's happening right now. And we could say it shows up in as all these different dimensions, sort of pieces and parts to the field of experience. At least mm. we have words to talk about, you know, obviously what we call objects in the field of experience, all the sensory information, um, sounds, sights, then all the things that are occurring in what we call the body, all the, the thoughts that may be arising, emotions, just this symphony of phenomena that are occurring, right, in each moment. And what's so interesting about reality is that and 
most of the time we don't really realize this because we sort of take for granted the perspective that what we're perceiving is a bunch of pieces and parts, right? Like because things do appear as distinct and diverse experientially, right? Like I can distinguish sound from sight, right? They're like two different dimensions. They're very clearly like like the sound of my voice is different from the visual images, right? Right. So this is this, it's this curious thing about experience that the field, which is that it really does show up as discrete phenomena, hence all the language to describe these different phenomena, right? But when you go and look, you can discover that, wow, even though it's showing up as seemingly like parts and pieces, you don't actually find clear borders, outlines around each of these dimensions of experience. So it's very strange because if you take like sound and sight as two dimensions, right? They're distinct. Like you can distinguish the two, right? But where is the, first of all, where is sound occurring? Like in experience, you can't really say it's here, but if you, if you feel it as a, um, feel it as experience, you feel sound, the, the presence of it. And then tell me where sound comes to an end. Like where is the edge of that field? Like where is it? Because we, we seem like if we can identify it, there's the sound, it presumes that, that it's distinguishable from what's not sound, right? That there's some boundary around it. But when you go to look, you don't find the boundary. What you find everywhere you look in experience is a continuum. So you find that, yes, the sound is distinct from seemingly from sight, from vision, from light. But then when you go to look, it's like, wow, all you see is it's like one thing blending into the next. It's completely seamless, right? That's the experience of it. Yeah. yeah. It's, and 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 this is this is remarkable because it contradicts our conventional notions of things, right? So to come back to identity, so we're we're sort of Here's this field of experience, and then where consciousness is sort of picking a part of it, let's say the body, and and then identifying that's what I am. But it's arbitrary, right? Because why is it not? Why is consciousness not identifying all of the experience as what I am, which is much closer, we could say, to the truth of what we are, which is we're the entirety of the experiential field. That's what we are, because. There's actually not any separation between any of these parts of the field, including we imagine ourselves somehow as the subject in the center of this bubble of experience, right? Or this field of experience. I'm at the center of it and it's happening to me. But of course, we can't find any differentiation, any any separation, any boundary line between the supposed subject and then the rest of the field. So what we are is the entirety of this, the entirety of, of everything. That's what we are. I mean, this, that's all that exists. So that must be what we are. What else could we be? And, 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 and just so people understand, yeah. this is not a statement on the nature of <clears throat> the scientific reality of matter or not matter or, you know, distance or whatever. This no. is experience. So yeah. as a matter of experience, yes. we show up in the world as a seamless, boundaryless continuum of experience and the fact that consciousness seems to kind of drop into this pattern of conditioned um, 
reflection where we feel like, no, I'm the body, right. I'm a subject, and there's this, right. is only just one confirmation of experience. That's right. And it seems that attention is often kind of stuck, apparently kind of stuck in that. Mm -hmm. But even just doing the meditations that you point to mm -hmm. in the right open stage of mind, in other words, if you're not mm -hmm. up in thought trying to dissect them, right. and you're just experiencing the way you're pointing, you can actually it, it, realize that this is actually true in every single moment. Right. Well, I'm I'm always making this distinction between, broadly speaking, two perspectives on reality, and one perspective, which is the one we most of the time believe as humans to be the only real perspective, which is the described world. That perspective, the the perspective of. Um, what we think is going on here conceptually, and then language is a way of articulating that, right? And so that perspective, um, the worded world, as I call it, mm. and then there's the world of experience itself, which is non-conceptual. It's it doesn't exclude concepts because concepts are part of the field of experience, but experience itself. Is and 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 the entirety of my work really is about um, pointing people back and helping people to discover the way in which the experiential perspective is just 180 degrees distinct from the conceived world. In in how, I mean, the most obvious example of that is that conceptually speaking, we believe we're an individual existing in an objective world. Right. I mean, that's just. We take Everyone, it for granted. Take it for granted, yeah. exactly. But experientially, we actually don't find that. We don't find an individual in a world. We find experience. And experience, um, and you can just feel that. You feel that now. You're, you're feeling experience. And if you imagine your experience as a like a body of water and you're swimming through you know, the experience that's here, you actually never run into anything. You never run into, a, you never suddenly hit something like firm, hard, like a substance, uh, and then there's something else on the other side of that. You know, you never run into anything. You just keep finding experience, and that experience is, like you said, it's it's a it's a continuum. It doesn't have fixed borders or boundaries or lines of demarcation, and so. That's the that's the the idea of the non-dual is that you don't find separation in experience. You don't find division. You don't find um, objects. Actually, you find open-ended. Um, I mean, I was using that word of a field, um, but it's a field that doesn't have any any end to it. It doesn't have any like you don't reach the place where the field comes to an end. In any in any way, shape, or form, and that that perspective is obviously deviates from ordinary consensus reality view of what's going on here. Shall we <laughs> right, say right, right, right? And and, and like like <laughs> like you kind of implied in the beginning, they're both two sides of a coin. Yeah, that we can actually experience reality through the consensus, complicit yeah. reality that we create with other beings that tell us this, and we were taught different yeah. concepts and labels. It's almost like a heads up display on a video game. You mm -hmm. can walk through the video game, and it's just like instantly. Con uh, conscious thought creates a, a heads up kind of display. Labels John Aston over there, over there, there's mm -hmm. a distance. Right. We're looking, sound is coming from there to me via my ears. That's all, 
instantaneously thought just spins that up. Right. And, but there's also, that can actually relax, attention mm -hmm. can actually go into the actual experience, the raw experience itself. And mm -hmm. then it becomes, like you said, the word infinite isn't even quite right because infinite has been conflated in the mind with with ex like just of-, of Large of numbers. Large <laughs> numbers, like yeah. big. Right. It's not even that, it's that yeah. it has no end. Exactly, it's, and en it's endless. Exactly, yeah. and you said another thing that I think is worth pointing into a, even a little deeper. You don't run into things. You don't hit a substance. You don't hit a wall. Okay, but let's say I walk up to a literal wall mm -hmm. and I hit it with my head. In a conceptual sense, I've hit an object. I've hit a boundary. The space is demarcated. I, the separate subject, has hit a wall. In experience though, in that alternative universe, which right. is actually the, <laughs> yeah. the real universe, mm -hmm. what happens is there's an experience of pressure, mm -hmm. of kind of a boundless kind of energetic sensation in the forehead where the forehead has touched the wall. Right. And it is it is vibratory, impermanent, oscillating. You, the words fail. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the word, the world of the worded yeah. fails to describe the infinite boundless kind of reality of that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, you're the entire thing of a head hitting a wall, you know, that's a description of what exactly. Is there something called a head uh, and a wall? Well, yeah, it all, it's all a matter of perspective. From one perspective, there absolutely is, you know, it's a table, you know, it's hard, concrete. And I always say this, and we probably touched upon it when we talked last time, but, you know, physics is just a nice, I don't understand physics very well. I don't know if anybody does, but- <laughs> Nobody does, um, yeah. The physicists uh, don't. The physicists may not <laughs> all that well either. Um, yeah, what is a probability cloud? Is that is that what this is? You know, that seems like substantial, but but th that that's why that's such a powerful, like metaphor, you know, in the scientific realm, for what I'm talking about in a sense, which is we can definitely like experience this as an object. We can talk about it as an object. We can place things on it as an object, the table, and then we can investigate it from another perspective, the perspective of the, the subat subatomic nature of it, right? The, the, in a sense, the non-material nature of it. The quantum the, the reality quantum nature of it, yeah. of it, right? And then it's like, what? Yeah. Like, what, where, did, where did the solid table go? So it's very strange because it, well, it didn't go anywhere actually. So that other perspective, the perspective of the, 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 the quantum perspective, let's say in physics, it doesn't it doesn't actually negate it doesn't eliminate like the experience of solidity and surfaces and heads hitting walls as you were saying but if we broke down the head hitting a, the wall so to speak just as we did the, with the table we end up with the same thing which is like some kind of weird quantum fluctuations or right we don't even know what it is we don't even know we don't even know what it is so I think that that's one of the challenges when when I introduce this to people is that the the knowledge we seem to have of what it is from that consensus kind of perspective like is so strong it's so convincing that it's you know it's this solid substantive definable world of of objects and parts and pieces right it's just so obviously that that then when somebody's introducing whether it's a physicist saying, well, that's not the whole story, or in the case of my work, kind of deconstructing it experientially and exploring how actually 
what seems to be finite and definable and formed when when investigated experientially turns out to be not that not that something that really can't be said but is not ultimately findable as something so it's very strange it's like it's there but then when you go to look for it you can't it doesn't resolve as being what we think it is so then you start to introduce that perspective to people in their own experience and it it's sort of like the the orientation to what we think it is is so strong it's so it's such just a strong habit and we're so convinced that no 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 it's this it's exactly what i say it is you know the seemingly definable world and so it can be it can be challenging sometimes for people to um stay open if you will to the possibility that our knowledge is um I mean, however useful it is, is ultimately misleading in terms of really telling us what what reality is. And and yeah, so um, this I, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> the the idea that our conceptually generated reality, this consensus reality of thought forms and concepts and mm-hmm. uh, the things that we're talking and pointing at here, is almost like a dream state mm-hmm. in a sense that. You're taking whatever the raw experience is and you're overlaying this um, kind of construction that then creates a world that we then inhabit. Mm -hmm. And that world to a degree um, is quite real in the sense that you and I are here. We we, Absolutely. we we planned to do this. We used email and electronics and a new and a new little iPhone 14 Pro to text each other, and all of that works. Per and it's just like in science, like you can actually predict to so many standard. Mm-hmm. Um, bits of precision, like how things are gonna unfold in this dream conceptual state that obeys the dream rules and all of that, mm-hmm. meaning it's all words and conceptions and all that. But underlying that, and, and this is something that I think you pointed out, you said it's very hard for people new to this to even, even let go a little bit, relax that conceptual world to see mm-hmm. experience in its raw form, which mm-hmm. is a kind of liberated, almost blissful, I I will use the term magical from the conceptual world, it seems Mm -hmm. like magic Mm -hmm. because you experience the world as this, what it is, which is this infinite unfolding out of space and time happening only now. And that's a kind of liberation. And Mm -hmm. to relax into that almost requires the conceptual world to go on a little bit of a conceptual journey or a a kind of a make-believe imagined trip, the spiritual journey in a way. Mm -hmm. You go and you meditate and you learn and you meet some teachers and you do this. And then suddenly when it all relaxes, you from that viewpoint, you're like, none of that was really, is that that even a thing? (laughs) It was all a dream. So it's kind of a paradox Mm -hmm. to kind of get into what you're pointing at. That's why I like your meditations because they, they can cut through that a little bit mm-hmm. and show you, you go, oh, no, this is reality right here. Look at it experientially. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I think one of the linchpins um, in some ways of all of this in terms of coming to understand the way in which the, the world's not actually conceivable, mm. the world of experience, any of it is not actually conceivable. Um, is that what creates the sense of that there's forms that are definable, essentially, is the belief that things actually have continuity, that they have stability, that they endure, right? Because mm. if they, 
if something has no actual stability or continuity or endurance to it as a phenomena, mm. then in a sense it has no form, right? Yeah, because it's never there. It's never actually there. It's just a- uh, It looks like it's there, obviously. Um, that's, that's, you know, it looks like all sorts of forms and patterns are here, right? But, but that sort of unquestioned assumption that things have stability over time, that they, right, that they endure over time. Object permanence. I right, mean, we, object we permanence. learned that at age, whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Is, um, I, I think for some people that, that one is just so taken for granted mm-hmm. that, although what's, what's interesting is that it's one of the most obvious things about our experience is that that's not actually true. <laughs> so that's what I mean by an example of where the conceived world, the seemingly conceivable and definable and describable world is utterly distinct from the actual experience world. So the experience world is that, so, so here's like, here's a simple thing. Try right now to think about the moment, okay? To think something about the moment, to conceive of the moment. Try that right now. It's, it's like a dumbed down, like I'm sitting here with a guy talking about crazy stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, that's like way, I mean, you're now you're like way down the river of believing in something that has endured, right? <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's just, right? That's what- it's baked how, into it. So we're talking about, like we talk about the stories of life, the narratives of life, the descriptions of the events of life. But experientially, when is experience happening? It's not happening. We have the sense of time being stretched out, right? Which allows for some story of what's going on of the events of life and our relationship to those events. But, but experientially, the, the moment of experience, which we don't experience anything called the past. It's not here. We don't experience anything called what what will come. That's that's an abstraction. So what's here now? And then, okay, so what's here now? Like describe what's here now conceptually, like conceive, think of this moment and you actually can't do it because whatever you, whatever frame of reference you can think about thought is like framing it, right? Conceptually, putting a frame of reference around it. The the minute you put a frame of reference around what's here experientially, what's here is no longer here. Like, I mean, it's that quick. I mean, it's 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 absolutely eludes grasp any grasp, any conceptual grasp, because it's gone. Just like that. So wow, I actually can't conceive of what's here. I mean, literally, it's not possible because you're conceiving of memory memory and even the memory is nothing like the experience even was when it was no no god (laughs) we have like reams of research you know how suspect memory is but um but yeah i mean i mean that is so like wow i mean just to let to let that in that about how strange the world of experience is in the sense of strange in relationship to what we think it is it's not strange it's just how it is Strange is just a, a label. It just is this way that it has no, it has no stability to it. It's just. I, I was just developing this this new series for uh, for Sam's waking up app, yeah. and uh, I'm playing with. They invited me to to 
have the series explore the now, the present moment. And um, so that's been kind of a fun adventure developing these, these meditations. And one of them is investigating just what I'm talking about, which is, okay, so let's, let's look at this thing we're calling the now, which we have a name for and spiritual teachings have been developed around getting into the now. And Be here now, the power of now. now. Exactly, right. exactly. Okay, so what is now? Like, let's, let's really, come on, let's, let's look at it with some sensitivity and precision. And discernment. And discernment, yeah, yeah experientially. And so in this particular one in the series, I, I asked the question, how long is now? How long is it here for? And the image that came to me while I was creating this was like, if you think of the arising of the moment, the arising of this that's here, the the appearance of this that's here, um, like like a train that's approaching. So, and then you're like standing on the tracks, and the the the, the train of the moment is you know approaching. It's it's arising. It's approaching. It's approaching. It's approaching. It's approaching. And then here it is, the moment has arrived, right? But the train is, it's moving, it's dynamic, isn't it? It doesn't approach, the moment doesn't come here and then hang out for a while as the moment, like frozen in time. It's, it's, it seems like this is alive. It feels, the felt sense of what's here is dynamic. And so I, I explore in that meditation, it's like, well, the arising of the moment, it's like the, the approach of the train of the moment is also its departure, right? So it's, it's, it's approaching, it's approaching, 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 and then it's departing, 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 departing. So it's very, it's literally like it's coming into existence. The moment's coming into existence is it's passing away, literally. So, so yeah, so is a moment arriving or departing? Its arrival is its departure, Birth is death. It's the same. It's the birth of the moment is the death of the moment. The birth of the moment is the death of the moment. So it's obvious that, that the, the, the moment's here for no time. So is there even a moment? No. <laughs> no, not, not, not from that. Just look. Can you find something called the moment that you can grasp hold of and keep from, you know... Another th kind of image that I've played with to illustrate the same point is um, I did a meditation like a while back called The Shape of the Moment. Mm. And I actually set it to a visual image of uh, just a, an ocean moving with waves moving. And I say, so look at what's he look at the ocean and tell me, what is the shape of the sea? So of course, what is the ocean doing? It's moving. So what is the shape of the ocean? I can't say, can I? I could never tell you what the shape of the sea is because once I, if I think I can like pin it down, like hold it still long enough to name it, describe it, identify its, its pattern, right? Its form. Well, it's already on to the next form, isn't it? It's already on to the next shape. So I say in that meditation that the, the shape of the moment is exactly like that. The, the shape or the form that the moment takes, uh, and whatever whatever aspect of experience we're talking a thought or an emotion or a sensation and just describe these you know in a sense as shapes the form of them the pattern of them that's recognizable as oh it's that it's it's a, it's a certain emotion that has a certain kind of form and structure to it 
seemingly, mm -hmm. that I then describe. But what I've described as some, let's say, some emotional state, it's not fixed. It's not frozen. It's not static. It's dynamic. So the shape, there is no shape of the moment. All there is is this constant, we could say, the, the experience is in a, a, a constant state, we could say, of becoming. Yeah. Of shaping. Yeah. Of forming. Yeah. But it never actually becomes something it's, fixed. It's where it's like I finally I've arrived at the form. Here I am, presto, voila, here's the form. And then we can talk about the form. Ah, oh, how does the form look? Oh, it looks lovely. It looks interesting. Ah, oh, it's terrifying. It's you know, but it's none of those things actually. It's it's too alive. It's too alive to be pinned down, to be grasped, to be known. And that you talk about flying in the face of what we think is going on conceptually with reality. This is just <laughs> right. I mean, object permanence is is it's almost a parody of reality in that sense because there's not even a now moment. Like you said, it's right. just I, that's why I, I really I resonate with the term living truth. Like, mm -hmm. what is reality? It's just living truth. Yeah. It's just this evol It's just this processing of this. Mm -hmm. You you said it in one of the meditations about who are we? You said, mm -hmm. well, maybe the best you could say is we're like a cosmic shapeshifter. Like exactly. things are just morphing constantly. And what what will really kind of blow your mind is everything that you think you know about yourself is entirely in that conceptual thought construction world. Like all like the fact that we you texted me, said, hey, I'm here. I came down, got you. We came up here. We had a mm -hmm. quick chat. We sat down. We did this whole process right. and we started. Where is that? That that's not a thing. That's all conceptualizing right. the indescribable evolving experience. <laughs> and so I, I remember after the last meditation retreat I did, it was silence for, you know, like eight days. And mm -hmm. I go to the Denver airport and it there were no human beings there. There mm -hmm. was no airport. It was just mm -hmm. radiant experience happening. And I was, there was, I mean, to even say I was, didn't even really make sense. It was mm -hmm. just a happening. And it was so amazingly free of the typical conceptual things that we call stress and anxiety and getting mm -hmm. to the gate and going through TSA and wondering if the plane's gonna be late and am right. I gonna catch my conception? All of that wasn't there, it was just this. It was right. just this happening. Well, that, that's, that's the one of the, the pragmatic, you could say, um, you know, pragmatic value of discovering this other, the wordless, non-conceptual, indescribable, unresolvable nature of what's here is that, well, you know, conventionally speaking, you know, we'll have certain events or experiences that I find myself as the individual having those experiences. Well, sometimes they're good. I'm grooving on them, having a good time. But other times, not so much. Other times I wish they weren't here. They feel threatening to me somehow. If I feel like I'm at the mercy of these challenges and stressors and obstacles and, and on and on and on and on. A toothache right? even, yeah. Yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah. Anything that we find somehow aversive in some way um, that we identify as somehow uh, evidence of well-being being absent. <laughs> right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, wow, I mean, that just defines so much of the human experience of what we call suffering that in that sense is defined into existence because 
when exploring the other side of that coin, the indescribable side of the coin, like you were talking about in your um, the air, airport experience, yeah. it's like there's there's not a human being here in an airport, you know, possibly maybe like, you know, having to being annoyed about the fact that the flight is late if the flight is late or, you know, whatever might be occurring um, is from this other perspective, none of that holds water. None of that is what we typically think of it to be. Just like the physicist, um, you know, discovering that what looks like hard and substantial and uh, formed matter turns out to be um we can't really say indescribable, indescribable. except with and, some math and even that right. is just an yeah. approximation right yeah. exactly and i think it's uh i think it's important to point out i mean as you were describing the story like that was a moment where it felt as if all of the usual ways of orienting to it um the, the forms and the people and the world kind of were gone but um of course here we are you know like here we are two human beings having a conversation so it really is like the table being both a table but not a table. It's um, I think it's helpful for people to understand that this discovery of that this is beyond cons- being able to be conceived of owing to its infinite, unresolvable, indeterminate nature um, doesn't, strangely enough, doesn't negate the experience of the formed, describable, seemingly world, right? Not at all, not in the least. And I mean, here we are, we're partaking literally simultaneously both those perspectives. And I think that we can, it's like we get to have the whole thing, you know? We get to enjoy, uh, to whatever extent we're able to, what it's like being, you could say, a seemingly formed creature, like living in a world and having all the encounters that we have, like this conversation, right? Um, I mean, in some ways, if it was just this wash of inconceivable radiance, that in that from that perspective, there's no conversation. Yeah. Right? There's that wash of beautiful, open-ended, inconceivable radiance, which is just astonishing in its own right. Um but this, but but this is also here too. This experience, seemingly of, of uh, two guys having a conversation about about the nature of this, right? That's Which right. is so lovely and enjoyable and rich and juicy. Like the the so so it's like the the seemingly formed embodied kind of world is not some like colossal mistake uh, or far error. From it. far it's from far it. from that. Yeah. It's like it's. Um, I mean, here it is, right? It's like here, it's like it looks, and I'll give you an example of this that that recently came to me, uh, well, a version of it, because I, I wrote about it in the book a little bit on a recent session I was doing with someone exploring this. And they were struggling with what I find quite a few people struggling with, sort of reconciling these two perspectives, mm. because it's like they seem so irreconcilable. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? How can it be both in- indefinable inconceivable uh not patterned or unresolvable you can't find any fixed patterns it has no stability it has no permanence and yet it shows up as all of those things that seems irreconcilable and right? further furthermore yeah. i don't want to see the world in the way you're pointing at because mm-hmm. it will cause me to lose my job lose my family lose my mind 
Right. That, that yes. fear does come that up. That fear yeah. comes up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. this existential nihilism of oh, right. everything is this, but then how do I get through the day? And, and so you right. were saying. Yeah. So, so, so he was kind of struggling with those kind of questions. How do I integrate this into my, my daily life? My, my, my being a parent, right? My work, all that stuff, right? As you were saying. And um, so I shared with him an image that I write about in my last book where I talk about the impressionistic nature of experience. And I say, it's just such a wonderful metaphor because we can look at the impressionist painting. We can stand at it from a certain distance and just appreciate the, the magnificent beauty, right, of the Monet painting. Mm. Cause we can see the, the objects that have been portrayed with the paint, with his paint brush strokes and the, the, the lilies on the pond or whatever the Monet painting is. So there we, you and I, let's say we go to a museum and, you know, in Paris or something, we're looking together at this and just marveling at it together and in and, and wonderment at the beauty of this piece of art, right? And then one of us says, hey, let's go check out like what this painting like is made of. Like, let's go look at it a little bit more closely. So let's get up to it close. Like, this is why I love this metaphor. So let's get up real close to the painting. We don't have to, we start approaching the painting. And have the, we been tased yet by security? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and as, as we're approaching the painting, wow, what appeared as definite forms and shapes starts to become less and less clear, more ambiguous until we get close enough where suddenly we have abstraction. We, have, mm. we don't have any form, do we? We don't mm. have anything that looks like anything mm. other than splashes of color on a canvas. Wow. So what just happened to the, all the images? They're gone. From that perspective, they're gone, right? But we can walk right back to that other perspective and then enjoy the painting for what it is from that other perspective. Enjoy the beauty of it, enjoy the forms, and then realize, but that's not the whole story because we can look a little more carefully at what seem to be forms and realize, no, they're not. It's not. It's unformed, it's formless, it's em empty of form. And so that's why I said we, get, we can have both. We have access to both. And the more we explore, we're obviously less familiar with the formless, indefinable side of the coin. Clearly, I most mean, people are. Most yeah, people yeah. are not playing around with that. They haven't been introduced to it. Maybe they're not curious about it. Sure, um, they're just trying to get by in their lives. They're, they're the ones who leave the comments that are like, "These two are high." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know somebody was just uh, made a comment on my last video that I posted, and he was really connecting with it and um, just appreciating it a lot. And then he made a comment because I guess I'd mentioned it in my interview with Sam Harris about psychedelics. And I'd made it pretty clear in that interview that I don't actually use psychedelics right. and I haven't for decades. But this person, I guess, was quite into psychedelics who left the comment and really wanted to know, like, can you tell me about your psychedelic experiences? And um, I'd love to hear you speak about that. And I was like, um, so I just responded to his comment just before coming to meet you. And I was like, well, I don't have anything against them. I'm not like... You know, I, I think they, they seem to be of benefit to some people under different circumstances in a number of ways. Like, I'm not, not going to deny that, but it's not my thing. It's not something I have any gravitation towards. And then I said in the comment that uh, reality, I, I say this half, only half jokingly, is, is the absolute most phenomenal drug because it's those things that people see sometimes under the influence of certain substances. Um, are right here 
Yeah. They're right here in the very nature of reality. Just so this. there's ways of of perceiving what's here, just like I was illustrating with the Monet painting of getting up, so to speak, very close to what's here, really looking at it, really investigating it. And the next thing you know, wow, this is this is better than any psychedelic trip in terms of the absolute transcendental nature of it, the the undivided, expansive, indefinable um, nature of it. And then the other piece is that 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 in my experience, the that other side of the coin that that doesn't fit into the frames of reference that that reveal that the frames of reference can't hold this because this is too vast, too infinite, too right to um beyond any frames of reference right is somehow um the repository if you will or is just a source of just endless benefit mm. it's like a tre- i've been calling it like a treasure lately it's like it feels like that it feels like what's here what we're actually experiencing right now however we might be conventionally conceiving of it and defining and describing it is so much more than that. It's endlessly rich. It's endlessly, um, it's just this bounty. I mean, it's infinity in the sense of you keep looking and exploring what's here and you never get to the end of it. You just find more and more vitality and vibrancy and aliveness and just, it's just endless. Everything, everything is like that. So, um, so the exploration of that side of the coin, discovering the way in which this is not what we think it is, it's inconceivable, truly, truly, truly cannot be thought what this is. Um, it frees us from all the seeming. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply limitations that that consciousness sort of as part of its uh interpretive processes overlays on top of this it's it, it this this kind of what well, really kind of dumbs it down it makes infinity seem like it's finite like it's finite and it's not and it's boundlessness not. seem like it has boundaries exactly and self everywhere as self only here and that that that, that that's and somehow lacking and somehow you know, lacking. like the, wow this is lacking but really always this is lacking, lacking. So always lacking. This right. is this is the this moment is the the energy of the cosmos, you know, giving rise to this moment, right? I mean, what's giving rise to this moment? What's what's the the engine of reality itself that's giving rise to this moment? I mean, it's potent, it's powerful, it's vibrant, it's shockingly alive and and just so dynamic, so electric. That's what's here. Yeah. 
And that's what's a, here. And it's a How is that? total mystery. It's a total mystery. Yeah, that's what's but, beautiful. But the, but the notion that somehow the moment is lacking in yeah. some way, like it's it's like, and and it's literally like this stream pouring forth of just like energy yeah. and nourishment yeah. in 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 every instant. That's what's happening. And, and, and that and that was my ride on the little subway in the Denver airport. Mm-hmm. Crowded, packed people wall to wall holding on this thing. It's stopping and starting. And all I could perceive at that time was the energetics of this entire environment just in this massive unfolding. And then what would happen is like you said, these things are not two. The conceptual world can spin up the explanation and the constriction of it. And you can experience that Mm -hmm. and almost simultaneously experience it's almost transparent. Mm-hmm. Then you see this just radiance and it's coming out of, no, there's nothing. Even to call it nothing doesn't quite point at it, but it, it's like a empty uh, potential that all this is seemingly coming out of. And it's not, it doesn't stay for even a second. And then what was funny is- And that's what we're experiencing right now. Right now, yeah. I mean, literally. Yeah. That's what we're, we're everyone, Everyone feeling, who's watching this. We're feeling that right now. And and the only thing that prevents us potentially from apparently seeing it is the reflections of thought that create our sense of separation, conceptualization, objects, permanence, time, space, all of that. The presence of, of those interpretations, I don't think it's the presence of them that, that blocks the understanding of the inconceivable nature. It's just... Um, I guess we could say it's believing that the interpretations are actually capturing what's here because mm. the interpretations can be there. Like I have an interpretation of sitting in a room, like that's there. I don't, I don't, I don't think I could get rid of that. I mean, you chop my head off. You know? Yeah, you die. You, you could if kill you die, that part could... of the brain that can understand that this is a room and you're a human. Right. Right. My knowledge. Right. So my knowledge is there. Right. Maybe under mentioning, you know, mentioned earlier psychedelics, maybe under the influence of certain drugs a or a stroke or, or some more extreme thing that can happen. It can maybe that part of the interpretive turns off mind, like it's kind of goes offline, but, but let's just say now that it's not offline here. It is. I mean, I have full access to the conceivable world right now, my knowledge of what things are. Right. And then simultaneously though, I can see that what's actually here is not knowable simultaneously. So the presence of my concepts about reality don't block us from seeing that this is not conceivable. Mm. You see? It's almost like- they, they, they happily live together. They live together. They live it, together. Right now, they're it, living it, together. It, it's almost like you said, it's, like, it's almost attention gets trapped in the concept form and it doesn't- it's, it's, it's tricky because I've been struggling with this myself. Mm-hmm. Like, w- what is it here? What is it that when I can go on a meditation retreat mm-hmm. and the level of my ability to discern my experience in the moment, meaning I can discern what's a thought concept and see it as that, and yeah. then also see the unfiltered, raw, living re- living truth of reality. Yeah. Can, and, and then watching that sort of apparently um, expire over time as the real world sort of, intrudes and reconditions mm. and I've got to do so many things apparently. When you come off the retreat. When you, you come know. off retreat. So when mm. in the airport, expansive, I mean, right. I, it was, I, people must've thought I was, actually that's not true. I probably looked for all intents and purposes like a normal dude walking through the airport. <laughs> but my internal experience was just of, this is just 
unbelievably, right. inconceivably amazing. Yes. And there's no me to even enjoy it. It's just pure enjoyment yes. happening. And then getting onto the Southwest flight, jamming in between a couple people and slowly just having the mind be the predominant experience, the conceptual realm right. be the predominant yeah. experience and sort of not being able to discern, oh, but actually this, this other thing is right. <laughs> also simultaneous. Yeah, it's almost like... Um... I was talking to someone else about this the other day. Uh, like if you're watching a sporting event, right? Mm. And you turn the sound off. There's no there's no commentary, right? Nobody's telling you what's going on in the game. There's just this thing happening on the screen, right? So you may have your own commentary, but but you can turn it on. You've got the Colin com color commentator talking about, well, that was a great play or that guy really missed the tackle or, or whatever, right? What a great shot he made. Um, I can't believe how talented, you know, the commentator, commentator. And so that's that part of the, the interpretive mechanism that's saying like, I'm on an airplane squeezed between two people. And it's like, it's comment, it's commenting on what's here. That's right. It's rendering it. That's right. It's rendering it. That's right. It's, it's telling us what it is in a sentence. Yeah. And just like the commentator in the sporting event is telling us what's going on in the game. Yeah. And, but meanwhile, there's this thing going on that we can't even call a game because that's also a commentary. It's like, you see, it's, it's like there's something there and then the commentary is telling us what it is. So we just have a very strong habit of orienting to the commentary as if that's what's actually, what, what reality is, is what the commentary is telling us it is. So the commentary is saying, you're sitting on an airplane squeezed between two people and it's annoying. I don't like this. I wish I had more space around me. Or maybe even I wish I could be back in that expansive state That's where it was right. just all groovy energy That's right. and radiance. Where did that go? Where did that right. go? Right. right, right. So it's just all commentary <laughs> on something that's beyond being able to actually be commented, be commented on. That's, that's so, so one of the simplest sort of- That's a great- Reorienting re strategies, if you will, uh, tricks is- to feel your experience. It's hard to say what I mean by that. It's like, it's like saying, what is it like to feel the water in the hot tub? You just feel it. So you feel your experience. Like you know that there's something here you could call experience. So you feel the presence of your experience. And what's fascinating is that <laughs> The experience that we're feeling right now has no, there's no label that's intrinsic to what's being experienced right now. There's no label to it. Well, where's the label? There's something here, but there's no, like, right? There's no sticky note on it. Like, this is what this is. This is a conversation over, you know, between two people. That's not there. That commentary is there. That knowledge is there. But just come back to what, what is, I mean, even the experience of sitting on a chair in the airplane sandwiched between two people is a description of what exactly? What's actually there that you're feeling? You're not feeling squeezed between two people. You're, that's a description again. What you're feeling, you're feeling the universe. <laughs> You're always feeling the boundless universe. Man. Okay. Right? Uh, so, oh man. But what? it can seem like 
No. No. You're feeling pleasure right. and pain and sorrow right. and joy and happiness and sadness and right. having the whole row to yourself or being squeezed. So again, it's like- It's not the fair. Two, the two worlds, it's, right? right? The two worlds. That's right. The world of how it seems to be based on the rendering, the reification of the mind, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yep. It's like, that's what allows that's, us to see the Monet painting from a certain right. perspective. It allows us to pay our mortgage. All of it. The whole th- It allows us to have, you could say, in a way, allows all experience, right? Mm, right, because- Because it's like, I just, this last weekend, I got to hear a couple of great musical, um, great musicians. And um, it's like, well, none of that, I mean, I'm not, I'm like hearing this amazing guitar player and it's like, there's no guitar, there's no human there, there's no music <laughs> there, there's just inconceivable radiance. It's like, oh, no, no, I actually kind of dig hearing the- <laughs> incredible blues guitar playing and have that experience and enjoy yeah. that experience. Appreciation of Appreciation that. Appreciation of that the work it in its own in the, sort of terms. It's like, right. wow, this is amazing. Like his musicality, his creativity. So that's all the world of form. That's right. That is incredible. It's like, it's such, it's such a rich world. So I'm not negating any of that, but this other exploration is just like, we just, it's like gaining access to this, the hidden code or something like yeah. the secret code underlying all of it, which is, you know, the, the assembly language of the computer. Yeah. It's yeah. like, and um, my experience of it, it just, in it, it's both um, its own kind of remedy for what we think of as suffering because you discover, right. you can That's discover right. that, you know, the things that typically are difficult, troubling, painful, without denying that level of experiencing, that described level of experiencing, at the same time, it's not merely that, it's something else that can't be said. Mm. And when you realize it can't be said and that there's no way to put a frame of reference around it or no way to define what I am, the one presuming to be bothered by this experience, then it's like, what happened to suffering? Yeah. It's like- Even that's a label, just a label, yeah. It's very, very different way to encounter that's, the the um the rough and tumble of life. That's shall right. We say that's you know? right. It's like it's not. It's more like being awash in you know this magnificent radiant light show or something. And that's like, right. Again, sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's like it's that, and it's like, man, I can't wait for this to end. You know, if it's really, especially if it's very challenging. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a good example of that is uh, the other day. Uh, I've been going around doing talks and I haven't done a, done them in a while because of the pandemic and all of that. And so you go on the road and you're sitting in bed and you're like, oh, you're a little nervous and you feel that sense of anxiety. And uh-huh. Like, oh, okay. And and you're up in your head and all the labels and the stories like, oh, this projecting into the future, this is how this could go. Yeah. This is how they could not like me. And this is, how, and it's all of this. And then the discernment, suddenly the 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 realization that, oh, but there's also the raw sensation of this energy pattern that's arising that is that I'm calling anxiety and I you dive into that and you go oh my gosh that's just a radiant vibratory energy field and all the labels start to drop and it's just un inconceivable and what's remarkable about that is it's not like then the real the the thought world suddenly re-reifies into panic mm-hmm. it actually as in in my case it just relaxed it was mm-hmm. like oh, okay time right. to go to bed right um so there are actually even from the standpoint of the thought matrix, mm-hmm. there is there are real world applications of being able to recognize 
be unbound. Oh God, conceivable. I mean, like no, you're and that's at- your example is a really wonderful one of like on the fly. There you are having this experience. You're about to go and give a talk, and it's like you can. What I've been saying lately, like there's a lot of different things we can do with experiences. We can try to control them. We can try to avoid them. We can try to micromanage them. We can try to figure out why they're happening. Or I say we could clarify their nature. Mm. And clarifying their nature is just what you described. You, you, you're, you're, you're getting more to the primal nature of what it is, the mm. fundamental nature of it, which can't really be said, of course. Right. It's not like you arrive at, oh, I found the fundament. You know, I right. found the, the root of it. I found what it is, the essence of it. It's essenceless. Right. Which is very odd. Very to, odd. To discover. Empty and full, nothing and everything. It's a paradox. No, it's, it's the, that's that concept of emptiness that it's, that it, 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 it's free of identity in the sense of I can't put my finger on what it is. I can't identify it, even though it's very clearly um, and specifically, like you talked about anxiety, it's like sp- has a specific kind of, it has a specificity to it. Yeah. It's very distinct from some other state. Yeah, right. Right? Right. Very specific. Just like a flavor of food, very specificity. Spicy is different than sweet. Absolutely, very specific. But then when you go to find the specificity, you can't identify what it is. Can't figure it out. Can't say what it is. And it's like, it's just like going up to the Monet painting and suddenly the structure of it, the seeming patterned nature of it is recognized to be unfindable. Mm. You can go back and- you can go back and forth, and in a sense, maybe there's some ways where we're kind of moving in and out of these perspectives, like all the time, mm. and maybe not even appreciating oftentimes or overlooking the times when we move into that non-conceptual, purely open-ended um, perspective mm. of, um, yeah, of, well, nothing missing yeah, or no one missing it. No one missing it. Nothing missing is all. All that's true at just, once. Just this, just this effulgence. You know this. Um, I mean, I mean, it's amazing. You know what? What you take the most basic thing about us, we could say, which is our existence, right? The sense of being alive. I am right. Yeah. The feeling of aliveness. You can feel that sense of aliveness. What is that? What is the what is life? What is the feeling of life? What what is this that is most basic to us is pure mystery. Pure mystery. It's pure mystery yeah. what it is. And yet it's so it's so rich. It's so it's subtle in a sense. There's a subtlety to it, right? Because it's not really can't really define it. You can't really but but it's unmistakable, Un, this yeah. sense undeniable. of aliveness, right? Undeniable. And it, uh and and that's <laughs> that's what we're always experiencing we're all the time. That's what we're always that's what we're always experiencing. So so you know it, it, uh, so something something that came to me in the last retreat too is I started to really discern the thought world of the worded mm-hmm. and the wordless and mm-hmm. seeing them as also not too yeah like they're di- di- they're interpenetrated in a way right absolutely yeah and and so seeing that kind of non duality of of what we call, you know, our conventional reality and the absolute, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it it had me thinking, you know, when we're young, when we're very young, we're a very small child, they take you to Disneyland or Disney World. Mm -hmm. 
it's fucking magic. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just like, this is magic. And you still have that sense memory of it. Like you go to the adventure land and it's like, you're in Africa on a safari right. and it's just, oh my gosh, you're just wide eyed and, and so on. And yeah, you're still a kid. So you may cry, you may get emotional stuff. You're, you're not regulating all that stuff with thought, but it's just this magic. And then you go back maybe when you're a little older and you're like, yeah, this is still fun. It's a lot of fun, but you have these little concepts about it. And right. it's like, you're telling stories about it. Then I went back in high school as a senior because they closed down the park and California high schools had a night where they could go. Mm -hmm. And I had a girlfriend and we go on it. We're, we're like, they're holding hands in Disneyland. Now it's a whole different story and a different type of magic, but it's right. still their story and concept and I and her and this whole thing. And sure. wow. Then you go back as an adult with your kids and you're kind of seeing it through their eyes, but at the same time you're going, dude, small world is so ratchet. <laughs> like, look at, look, I can see the pulley where that little thing is going, ain't that world, oh, right. wow. and all the concepts and all the stories about it and all the labels and the magic is gone. Mm -hmm. The only magic you may have is seeing your daughter's eyes light up or something, but you're just like, this is, what is this? Right. That is kind of like, in many ways, the construction of that kind of worldview where we lose sight of the underlying absolute. And, it, and in a way, mm -hmm. it points at what most religious traditions and even fantasy writers and things like that point at this fall from the magical mm -hmm. sort of world of grace to this kind of, oh, here we are now. And you know, even Lord of the Rings, when Tolkien was writing about the first age, it was just magic and infused. There were elves and mm -hmm. it was this. And by the time you get to the movies, Lord of the Rings, most mm -hmm. of that magic has been dissipated from the world. And it's mm -hmm. more like, how are we gonna fight this battle and how are right. we gonna do that? And um, it, what you're pointing at is that those two things are still, they're all here. They're all right here. Mm -hmm. It's just being able to discern in a way, I just seeing it. You know, the, the power of focus of attention mm. is, um, it's amazing, you know? It's like our attention can be focused on on all the ways we're conceiving of this to be, including the ways we think this is terrible or threatening or I'm a victim of this or, and, and then meanwhile, there's, there's all this other stuff going on that has nothing to do with that, those interpretations. And the focus of attention though, makes it seem like that's, that's it. You know, I've like, this is, I've defined this moment somehow. This is the way it is. And it's, um, yeah, it's amazing the power of focus of attention to sort of seem to shape like our sense of what's going on. And, and in a sense, what we're talking about is sort of kind of playing with attention and, and reorienting it to this, um, you could say the felt sense of what's here, the, the felt sense of experiencing itself, which, you know, is um, just utterly uh, beyond comprehension. Yeah. And, um, and then suddenly now you're just in this open, um, this, just this rich, luscious openness, basically. And, 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 and no matter and, what's happening, actually. That's right. And in no a matter way, what you're experiencing, like from this perspective that I'm talking about, your experiences don't matter because no experience is blocking that no experience is keeping us from from this transcendental radiant inconceivable mm. rich beauty no experience because every experience is that mm -hmm. so in that sense the the radiance 
the presence of this is unconditioned by how it looks, right? Because it looks like everything. So the experiences are, there's no experience that's an obstacle to this. There's no experience that somehow pulls us away from this because every experience is its expression. Every experience is its display, That's right. right? It's reality's display. And that that's such a load off because so much of our sort of um, well-being, our project of finding well-being, or spiritually speaking, our project of finding awakening or enlightenment mm. is generally about rearranging our experiences to have certain kinds of experiences right. and not have other ones. I want to feel more open. I want to feel more like I did in the airport, not on the plane. I right. want this and this and this. Whereas what you're pointing out with attention to inquiry is just a shifting of your attention with deep curiosity into experience. Right. And and the key thing to discover about that other side of the coin that we've been, you know, exploring together here is that it's not a particular state. It's not That's a particular right. experience. Mm. And that can be missed sometimes. Especially when we have a moments like definitely like like you were describing, where it just feels like the world's just like blown wide open. Yeah, and then we start making an association. It's a state, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is what it looks like. That's right. Now I'm really seeing it. That's right. And it's like, but what about all those other experiences? That's right. Those other experiences are it. Same thing. They yeah. are the radiance. They are everything. Is its expression, and so the more we, that's the key thing. Like. And I always like listen when I hear people talk about insights that they've had and like, they're sharing mm -hmm. them with me, like when I'm meeting with people, it's like, okay, did you have the most important insight that the thing you're looking for, whatever that is, however you're defining that, awakening, enlightenment, openness, freedom, did you have the insight that that which you're looking for is present in all experience? Because <laughs> that's the insight to have. That's the insight, yeah. it's, it's present in all your experience. And that's what makes it unconditioned it makes it it doesn't depend upon how it doesn't depend upon what we're doing what we're experiencing that doesn't the discovery of that doesn't negate seeking out certain kinds of experiences that right. we might as a function of living our lives that we might orient to we might you know we sought out this experience in a sense because we enjoy right. having these conversations with each other right so we sought this out just as part of you could say the functioning of our you know, curating a certain kind of life that we enjoy, right? Um, but but the radiance isn't more present in this particular event or experience than it is when we leave this moment and go back to, I'm back in my car, driving back home, you go back to your family and your kids. And it's like, it doesn't go anywhere. Where would it go? It's the only thing that exists. It can't go anywhere, you see? Yeah. And that is, well, that's a critical thing to see that it that just- that, that reality can't be lost because it's, it's, it's what is. So you, how do you lose what is? I mean, where, where would it go? Where would it go? And what would it push against? If you're, if you're like something you don't like, well, okay, so what's not liking that? It's all one happening mm -hmm. right here. So what, where is that? And it's a kind of an insight that happens, but what's interesting is at least at my stage of whatever this is, if there's even stages, right? Is a question. Yeah. It is a question. Yeah. I mean, the insight is seeing that there isn't, but I think that as a matter of experience yeah. and, you know, and Har Sam Harris talks about this a lot mm -hmm. uh, on his show is like, oh, it's one thing to kind of know this, but it's another thing to quote unquote, 
stabilize right. it. Kind and, of live it, embody and to kind it. Kind of embody yeah. it because if most of the time I'm behind the wheel, just pissed, thinking I'm a separate self and unable to see mm-hmm. uh, simultaneously the experience, the, the feel of sitting in this car and the deep, the connection with all of the, it, it's not even that, those are all still concepts. It's just what's happening. Mm-hmm. Then I'm, in a world where I am suffering because this is not okay, this guy cut me off, or I'm not getting home, I'm not gonna be able to pick up my kid in time because right. I left too late, and then yeah. all the personal, oh, but the separate me screwed up, I'm an idiot, my kid's gonna hate me, this kind of thing. It, 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 all of that is there, and but the simultaneity of the experience of the uh, this unmanif- this, <laughs> this, which is mm-hmm. indescribable, mm-hmm. Uh, isn't apparent. And then the suffering seems like it's just absolute. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious how, you know, because on your own journey, you mm-hmm. know, you started with John Cabot's in and doing mindfulness and going mm-hmm. on this big, big journey. And then at some point something clicked, mm-hmm. but I'm just curious how you would speak to that. Yeah, the journey went way even further back behind before, you know, meeting kind of John's approach and studying that and, and teaching it. Um, you know, I'd been, at, I'd been at it, the meditation thing for probably 10, 15 years, even before that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, starting back in the, late seventies, but early eighties. Um, I, I, you know, I guess it can be useful to talk about it in terms of a process where we could say we grow more and more familiar with that Mm. other perspective. We, 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 we grow to appreciate it, it more and more. It's incredible value. It's boundless value and riches and, um, we grow to understand that it's never actually absent, not intellectually, but but more and more we have a sense of that, you know, in our actual experience. Yeah, I think we can talk about it in that way that it's like if we think about it as orienting a reorientation from all the reified notions to we could say what's actually here, which is not reifiable, what's actually being experienced. Um and that those aren't a dichotomy ultimately it's one reality that can be perceived both both ways it's almost like my sense of it is like we we gain more it seems to be like gaining more random access to that other perspective in mm-hmm. a way where it's just like it's just there just look mm-hmm. anytime mm-hmm. you want to look it's, mm-hmm. it's there anytime there's an impetus to to notice that because there's an element of like with my example of like looking at the monet painting where you know, you're engaged in a conversation with your wife about something, you know, something that you guys are either just curious about or interested in or sharing with one another, or you're maybe you're trying to problem solve about something. It's like that's the engagement with that level is like the two people looking like you and I looking at the Monet painting and talking about it as the actual forms that it is and, and, and dealing with it at that level mm. is like, that's what we're doing. And if I was like, there's a way in which like privileging the other perspective is somehow better. It's sort of like, if I, if I, if you start telling me, wow, it's so beautiful, John, you know, the, the lilies on the pond, isn't it just gorgeous how he painted this? And I'm like, no, no, no. Don't you see that's not even there. It's like, no, no, no. Come, you know, and, and I'm right. like, I'm not like, I'm not like playing along with it. And as a result, I'm missing out in some ways on enjoying it together at that level, right? Mm. So I don't think that, in my experience at least, like 
there's an element of, I don't know, just sort of, you could call it getting lost in the forms mm. that is its own enjoyment, mm, mm, you know, mm, it's, mm, it's mm. its own beautiful experience. Birth of a child. All of that. It's like, yeah. and it's like, you could, I mean, like, like we were saying earlier, you know, like in your airport experience, imagine like if it was really the case where you weren't seeing people, it's like, then your child's born, like you don't get to experience the yeah. child. What do you mean? What right. do you mean? Nothing's born. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nothing has happened. It's like, there are well, no separate beings. Right. <laughs> this child that was born has no autonomous existence from the universe. Therefore, nothing was born. That's true. Nothing's really happened. Right. That's actually true. Yeah, it's true. And it's also not true. That's right. Right. That's and right. so I feel it in my own experiences, just like it's, it's, it's like this natural sort of um, playful intermingling of those perspectives, more random access to that other perspective mm. whenever, whenever I want, you know, it's just, it's right there because that's actually what we're experiencing. So it's yeah. just, um, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's beautifully put. Yeah. I, I actually think, um, I was just thinking about this as you were talking about it and, and trying to feel into my own, uh, uh, you know, pathless path on this because yeah. I, in 2012, I kind of had this thing where suddenly, it, I, you know, the idea of, just this was introduced in a very mm -hmm. radical way and it woke me up. It mm -hmm. literally like rubbed on my sternum and I was like, I've never seen this way. Mm -hmm. And the idea that I was a fully ego bound, thought bound, conceptual bound creature striving against mm -hmm. odds in the world to try to be happy and it never worked mm -hmm. suddenly was was popped, that bubble was popped. But mm -hmm. then of course, it 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 vacillates back and forth between being in the bubble and, and seeing outside of the bubble. But, mm -hmm. but what I realized now just talking to you is, Going back to say 20, let's say even say 2012 when that happens. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. the difference, if I could just quantify it, if, and again, this is all just thought and concept, but it, it's night and day, like mm -hmm. the access to mm -hmm. this absolute reality of this just yeah. now is there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it, it apparently is not because I'm not paying attention, but I know that I can pay attention. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a matter of oh, re-recognizing yeah. in a thought. Oh, wait, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> right. and that you know, like the anxiety, you can feel into it, and then suddenly it's not anxiety; it's just this energy of like. Yeah. So that wasn't possible in 2010. I mm -hmm. couldn't have done that because mm -hmm. I didn't even have the idea that that was such a thing was possible. Totally, yeah, um, absolutely. And which is why I think even conversations like this for people who are watching, they, they mm -hmm. go, wait, wait, what? That's even a. Like some people are watching going, and you know it in the comments, I go, what the hell is this? Like these guys talk like they're smoking weed and we're right. both stone cold sober. And then there's some people that are very advanced spiritual journey people who are like, but what about um, emptiness? So you need to really define emptiness. And they're up in their head about that. And then there's mm -hmm. some people who just experience reality in both ways, but it, mm -hmm. it'll, it'll open a kind of crack to, oh, there is this thing. Mm -hmm. And that allows then the attention to flow into that and then this non-journey journey unfolds. And, mm -hmm. and this is the way I'm, I'm seeing it from my own perspective. Mm -hmm. And that may be a narrow perspective, but yeah. I mean, one thing I, I would, I would, I'm sort of just been playing with this lately, this sense of, if you, it, it would seem arguably that we're wired as creatures to want enjoyment, right? Mm -hmm. It's very, to enjoy life. We could say people, what is the purpose of life? to enjoy this life, to, to, to relish, revel in this life, right? To, mm. to find enjoyment in it. And um, what, what, I've been, what I've been kind of noticing is that 
there's no there's actually no end to how much this can be enjoyed it's that it's that bottomlessly rich mm. like it's so like oh so you want to enjoy this moment then feel this moment feel the richness of this moment keep feeling the richness of this moment feel all the feel exactly what you're perceiving you know which has no labels or names but just feel whatever is present and in a sense just let yourself you are feeling that just appreciate the feeling of this moment and it's like you're you're like extracting in a sense the the beauty from it the aliveness of it the vibrancy of it the the wakefulness of it and then you're getting to partake of all of those riches just by noticing them <laughs> they're there all the time but it would be like you know there's this gorgeous sunset and you're walking down the road and you're caught up in some stream of rumination about something that happens so your attention's there and you might be overlooking this magnificent display of light in the night sky right as a sun setting which is fine i mean you don't have to see that right there's nothing it's fine to be absorbed in your rumination but but at some level this is what i meant about enjoyment it's like how much are you enjoying being lost in the rumination <laughs> probably not a whole lot mm. i mean maybe at some level there's some kind of enjoyment of that addiction but, almost right yeah. but but is it satisfying and if it's not then maybe there's a choice we could say mm. if one has been like been exploring this other sort of perspective to like say wow there's this other way even my like let me explore not even just the beautiful sunsets that are everywhere you know the sunset of reality that's shining in everything but also it's right there in my rumination i can explore my rumination uh, yeah, and yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah. find that this thing that's a source of unrest that mm. i would say is unrest and uh, aversive and uncomfortable is itself this radiant display mm. and it's like wow now like suddenly i can actually even enjoy that mm. you know in a way because i'm clarifying its nature i'm exploring what it is beyond the way I'm holding it conceptually. Because the way I'm holding it conceptually is not really true. It's not really what it is. Yeah. It's really not that. It's like just as I was saying earlier, the, the minute we've said this is what it is, that's the form of it. That's the, I've identified. There it is. Rumination, anxiety, whatever it is, it's bothering us, stress. It's like, wait a minute, let me be with the shape-shifting nature of it, mm. which I am being with. But let me appreciate the dynamism of this, the aliveness of this, the ungraspable nature of this. And now suddenly I have this capacity in a very real sense to enjoy all of it, to enjoy the, the flow of this, the, the ungraspable, inconceivable flow of mm, everything, mm. including the things that I might typically think of as the problems of life that I must right. somehow escape from or, or fix or manage to have less of, right? And then we're just in this game of trying to manipulate all these pieces of reality to be okay. And meanwhile, all the pieces are the display of this radiance. Mm. That's such a different way to, to encounter life, isn't it? Even, even, yeah, even the intrusive traumatic memory. It, what is that? Man, exactly. if you just, oh, we're conditioned to avoid it, to project out of it, to what happens if you really just see what is that even made of 
Like just take your beam, your electron beam microscope and just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it it just is inconceivable. I mean, it happened, exactly. If you could almost sum up, I mean, it's kind of a sad thing to say, but there's so much effort in the human in human culture to have the right set of experiences, That's right? right? Mm-hmm. Like my experiences are not okay. They're not okay. And yeah. so because they're not okay, I feel like I don't have well-being. That I'm suffering psychologically or or existentially, and I'm going to seek out you know remedies for that in various forms, whether it's psychology or spiritual teachings. It's like, what if our experience was not the actual problem we imagined it to be? Like, what if all of our experience was not only okay, but the doorway into the most incredible, infinite, radiant? I have no words for it, of course. Yeah. Um, Because that's actually what it is. Everything is a doorway into that. And so from that standpoint, it's like, it's amazing. It's amazing to feel that uh, our experiences are not the problems that we have defined them to be, imagined them to be, based on the way we typically hold them and describe them. That's right. And even, of course, a big piece of this, as you know, is that consciousness has interjected the sense of us in the middle of that experience at the center of it. And we are sort of at the mercy, like this is coming, overwhelming me, this experience, right? right? And it's like, when you realize that's another powerful sort of inquiry trick to see the way in which there's no one at the center of experience. Yeah, There's just experience. And it's like, it's such a, another, such a absolutely different way to encounter um, again, the rough and tumble of life. Like when you realize that it's like, there's no, there's no one at the center of the experience. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know what? I, I forget if we were talking about this on the last show or if this was something that you and I had when we had dinner the other day, uh, we talked about, but I had mentioned I was on another retreat and I'd gone out in between s- sessions and there was a, everyone else was staring at trees and walking around and, and paying attention. And I walked right to the parking lot, found a pile of construction debris and started staring at it. Mm-hmm. And the label of construction debris was initially there. I, I saw it like, cause mm-hmm. there's a level of focus and concentration and discernment just from momentum. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, c- construction debris, interesting, a thought. Then you look at it and it is within perceived moments. It's just a radiant, inconceivable energy. And with that comes this sense of just perfection. Like Mm -hmm. this is absolutely the only way it could be. And it's Mm -hmm. glorious. It's like you're staring at the face of God and it's a pile of construction debris. And, but it's only a pile of construction debris from the standpoint of that part of our worded conceptual world. And in, in that second of realization, there's the option to also see it for what it is, which is just infinite, impermanent radiance and you can't you can't actually say what can't say what it is can't say what it is you know you're i mean even there's so many different ways to to see that i mean to understand what you're where you're what you're pointing to in that that experience that for one thing what you're seeing is unique unto itself Mm. right so it doesn't it doesn't fit into any category right? right Because the only way we are able to put things in in categories is to essentially overlook 
the way in which it's distinct mm. from all the other things that we've put it into, you know, the category that seems to define that phenomena and the other phenomena that are in the category. But actually, there's nothing. <laughs> it's an amazing thing to see that there's nothing that each phenomena exists in a category that contains only that one thing. Mm. Like there's nothing, nothing else, else like it. Fit. We try to make it same with others, but the, but it's, it's overlooking everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's overlooking and the ways that it's, it's right. We have to overlook the differences to say, oh, here's all the ways that this is similar to these other things. And I put it in the category, right? Mm. But so it's, you start seeing that you're not looking at, you're not looking at actually definable phenomena again, right? Between the fact that it's unique unto itself, also the fact that experientially speaking, um, it's alive and so it's constantly changing. So you can't you can't define it as insignificant because that's just another frame of reference. Right. You can't define it as meaningless or ugly or trash or, or whatever. Trash. Yeah. It's not any of those things. It's it's um I mean it it is those things too, in in the sense of right. So again, the 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 wordless inconceivable perspective doesn't negate the all the definitions and descriptions the mm-hmm. conventional way of of seeing it but it's like this it's like a, a larger context you could say of the inconceivability is in a sense this larger context within which all the seeming descriptions sort of exist within so so actually all we're looking at is you know It's amazing to look at at anything, and this is like a fun kind of game to play perceptually, to look at things and realize like they don't fit into any narrative at all. Like I'm looking at the, there's like a metal sort of um, uh, arm that the computer screen um, is sort of attached to. And I could say there's kind of like it's silver color, there's black, it, there's light reflecting on it. I'm describing it in different ways now. But the actual existence of that really doesn't fit. Like what narrative does that fit in? Any of it. The light, the reflection, the color. And it's like each time I look at all these little details, um, I realize I'm, I'm, I'm looking at something for which there's no story about that. That doesn't fit into any, including the story of like, why would you even bother looking at that? Like, what's the point of looking at that? What's, what's, what's in that for me? But you're looking at, I mean, what are you perceiving? You're, everything we're perceiving is the miracle. Like, what is that? I mean, right, even at a physical level, you're looking at this structure and this form that's made of something, who knows what that the metal is constituted of. And, but again, that's kind of analytical. But perceptually, it's just... Um, In a sense, uh, this this friend and I the other day went to the Museum of Modern Art in San Francisco, mm. and uh, we had we, we were got in this interesting conversation about what makes something art, what <laughs> makes something beautiful. And she's somebody also very awake to stuff we're discussing. And uh, and then we came outside and we just started like looking at everything, going, "Wow, it's so arbitrary in a certain way <laughs> that the stuff that got into the museum was the stuff that we defined as art." And then we left the museum and we're like looking and it's like everything is the art. Everything is the art of reality. 
mm. the painting. This is the painting of reality. All of it. This is the absolute masterpiece. All of it. So it's Dude, all art, right? You, you know, okay. So I'm staring at the same thing you are and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm feeling exactly that. And what struck me too early in what you were doing was how we do create this kind of complicit we space where your descriptions, your mm -hmm. word descriptions of that mm -hmm. match mine very closely. Mm -hmm. Like we're seeing, in a way, in the thought space, we're seeing very similar shape, color, substance of metal, black and silver reflections. No, I'll never know what you're seeing. That's is, exactly right. right, that's true. But know. you'll know the words will match. So in the, in, in the concept space, they seemingly match. But in the, in the, even the angle that I'm seeing it and the angle you're seeing it, I mean, there's no, they can't, they're not even in the same universe of raw experience. Right. And if I'm, so I'm looking at it like this, right, right now. Mm -hmm. Now, if I go over here, I'm looking at something different now. T totally different. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's like the slightest change, you know, it's like, um, you know, I, I don't really have an ex I don't have an explanation for this. I don't really understand the mechanics of this. I don't have to understand the mechanics. Here's the only way I can describe it, Zubin, and that is that it seems, my, in my ever-growing sort of sense of this, is that my, my, my friend, Peter Brown, this wonderful teacher of this stuff who mm. recently passed away, um, used to say something that I looked at, an old book of mine that I'd written a very similar thing long before I ever met him. And, and he, he would say the same thing, which is, let reality tell you what it is. Mm. Normally, we're telling reality what it is. Oh, that is a medical thing, a metal thing attached to the computer, the arm that holds the computer up so it doesn't, you know, like we're telling it what it is. Um, or we're telling our emotional, mental, mental emotional states what they are, mm -hmm. the labels, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is what it is. It's, right, whatever the word is. But what is it like to look at anything and let it tell us what it is? And I think that, I, I don't really know this, but my sense is that when we look at things not merely through the lens of what we think it is, like that lens can be there. Like, our, like I was saying earlier, your knowledge of what anything is can be there. But you can also see that what you're perceiving, it doesn't fit into any knowledge framework. It's like the, the knowledge just doesn't capture it, right? It's beyond... So this, I could call this a table, but mm. what am I looking at? It's just this like, okay, I'm not looking at a table. I'm looking at what I'm looking at. Yeah, okay? it's just this. And, and, yeah. and, and, and that's what I mean by, okay, now let me just look at it. I, I don't have to get rid of my knowledge of the table, but let me just look at what I'm actually looking at because I'm not looking at a table. I'm looking at what I'm looking at. I'm perceiving whatever is being perceived. And... Suddenly, my experience is the wonder of it, the deep wonder of it somehow um, springs forth. Is the only way I could describe that's, that's it. That's exactly right. Yeah, and, and where does that even, how, why would that even be? It doesn't even, we can't know, but there's something about experiencing unfiltered table that's not table, that's just telling us this, just this. And in fact, when the experiencer apparently drops away and mm -hmm. it's just the table experiencing you there's no it's not even the words can't even point at it mm -hmm. the the sense of just 
it's it, and bliss isn't even the right word. It's like a kind of a joy. It's a. I I think I, yeah, it is kind of a joy, and I think that it's something about. <laughs> I'm just looking at the, had to redesign my book cover, and, oh, and the, us, the yeah. subtitle is the, um, the I have the, like a of course a Monet painting here apropos nice. our earlier conversation about impressionism, um, discovering the miracle of what is. I think there's something about when we're perceiving sort of peering around the edges of what we think things are like without getting rid of the knowledge, but realizing that the knowledge isn't the knowledge is just there as a kind of an overlay, but what's actually there, like what am I actually perceiving? And I think we're touching the, um, at one, one way to, to think about this or understand it is like just the sheer existence of, of, of it. Like we're, we're basically just seeing reality's existence in that particular form. Like that's the form and shape that the nature of reality has assumed in that, in this moment is assuming in this moment, it looks like all of this that I might have names for, you know, clock, table, computer, book, cell phone, um, microphone, but, but I'm actually looking at, you know, even physically speaking, when we're talking about physics, right? Um, the incredible mysterious laws of nature, the laws of the universe that make up matter that we think of as matter that are governing the way matter matter functions. Let's just say that somehow that has some validity to it. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at, we're looking at the very fabric of reality, aren't mm, we? Mm, mm. Everything is a very fabric. Everything's made of the, everything is made of reality. This is the fabric of reality. Every single piece of it, every little detail of it, Every color, every shape, every every reflection, every um, every little flickering of energy in the body, every little thing that we call an emotion or a thought—it's like everything that we perceive is the absolute wonder of reality, mm -hmm. the absolute miracle. Is it not? What what else mm -hmm. could it be? Mm -hmm. I mean, how is it? How is it here? How is any of this here? Right? It's the um, you know, it's a bit like to use another analogy that's often used when people talk about this stuff is the dream state, right? And how we could we could be captivated, as we often are when we're dreaming, in the content of the dream, right? The drama that's unfolding in the dream, the relationships that are happening in the dream, the the scary stuff, the wonderfully amazing, blissful stuff that happens in the dream and where the confusion may be arising in the dream. And it's all Right, it's again. It's like looking at the Monet painting and seeing the way it seems to be from a certain perspective, and then there's just like, oh my God! Like, what is a dream? What is the magic that makes a dream a dream? That's creating the dream. Well, you're seeing the the creative intelligence, you know, of life, somehow. reality, yeah, reality, creating this thing that we call the dream state, and then the whole, and that somehow is also creating the capacity for us to experience the dreaming. And have the, all the experiences that we have. And I mean, how is all of this occurring? Oh, there's no answer to these questions, of course. None. But somehow, it's almost like this could sound very contemplative, like in the sense of like, you know, contemplate all the wonders. And that's beautiful to do. But it's also like experience the wonders. Mm. Experience them. That's like another, like the experiential contemplation of them is where you're like, feel the wonder Embody of this. It, yeah. Feel the absolute wonder of what you're perceiving. Like feel your perceptions. They're alive. They're inexplicable. Everything about them is inexplicable. You know, hearing, 
sound. Really? Like, what is hearing sound? Again, we have a concept of, you know, hearing uh, vibrations in the air. To the eardrum. The eardrum, and, right, right? Which is fine. But at an experience, the sound of my voice, as an experience, like, what's there? What's there that we call sound? I mean, it, right? It's an absolute, you're talking about magic earlier. It's, that's when now we go to Disneyland and all we see is magic. All we see is magic. All yeah. we see is magic. Because yeah. that's what we're seeing is yeah. magic. Yeah. There's no explanation. What is the explanation for any of this? Really? I mean, I'm a scientist by training and teach research. And it's like, really? Like, there's no explanation. What explanation for anything? In the absolute sense. Yeah. In the what is the explanation sense? for reality? I mean, can we say, well, the Big Bang, you know, like somehow something happened and the next thing you knew, all these like, basic like laws of nature yeah and, and, and the soup you know like the what, what's the the, the primordial the, uh, yeah the, soup the, you know somehow started to interact and and then somehow out of that like random way of stuff interacting with other stuff you know you had like single cell organisms you know yeah. things started to arise out of that and this complexity i mean we could talk about that like like that's actually explaining how these this came about but is it really? <laughs> really? I mean, how? Yeah. yeah. What? Where? We can talk about randomness in terms of like the development of the universe somehow and evolution, but seriously, like, come on. I mean, intelligence is absolutely inseparable from the fabric of this. Some kind of intelligence, some kind of. I mean, the intricacy of it, the structure of it, the function of it. Bruh, I mean, come on. It's like. That's what I mean, the absolute miracle of of it. And, you know, this is what I mean. It's like, this is staring us in the face 24-7 at every turn. We're never apart from the wonder of this. It's never far away. It's always, in fact, exactly what we're experiencing in every moment. Even when the shit's hitting the fan and life is tough, we would describe it as tough. And it's like right there, that moment is the wonder of reality shining forth, appearing, right? Mm. And- Wow, now that's a really different way to experience the rough and tumble, the the the, the vicissitudes of life. It's like doesn't negate those, and we're, you know we're going to experience old age and death, you know, as organisms would seem. Okay, what would it be like to experience that? Mm. The process of aging and losing our capacities, and then dying and passing away. You know, what would it be like to experience that for what it is? You could say more primordially, which is more radically, just what is that really? Yeah. What is, what is, what is, I mean, I was saying earlier, what is life, you know, um, and that is equal to the mystery of what is death, but, but death is, I remember when my mom passed, you know, she, honestly, she revealed this to me at her moment of passing when I was with her, it was like, you know, death is the radiance. Wow. What we call death is, wow. there is no death. And, and from that perspective, there is no death. There's just reality, shape-shifting. But reality is the only thing that exists, so there's nothing outside of it to destroy it. There is no death. That's the, that's, this is indestructible. Feel that. Feel that, that, that the moment, even though paradoxically it's constantly dying, slipping away, totally impermanent, is everlasting, indestructible, never goes anywhere. And talk about the ultimate paradox. And that, we're actually feeling that paradox. 
right? We can contemplate it analytically, conceptually, and that can be inspiring or or maybe not, terrifying. Or, or terrifying, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but but it's actually what you're feeling, what we're feeling in every instant is the constant disappearance of the moment. And at the same time, the fact that reality never goes anywhere, like it never vanishes. Never, we never lose reality. Reality is never, like I said, it's indestructible. Where would it go? Absolutely eternal feeling when you feel it. It's yeah, like, this is it. eternity. Yeah, and that's yeah. what we are. Like we're not observing we that. No, no, it's us. It's, it's what we are. <laughs> yeah. Like every fiber, every morsel, every aspect of the personality. I mean, all of it is made of that, which is fundamentally um, inviolable, indestructible. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I can't, I have nothing to say to that because it's just, it's, in, it's, it's beyond words. It's exactly true. It is beyond words. But it's not beyond being. You can right. be that. It's not beyond experience. That's right. Because it is what we're experiencing. And that's what you're, that's what you point at, John, all the time. That's why your meditations on I Sam's- attempt. You, oh, I attempt. I, I, well, then you're, as, as Adya Shanti says, you're failing well. <laughs> oh, that's, I'm glad to hear that, that you feel that. Because <laughs> it's great. I mean, and actually, as we, Maybe I mean maybe we should wrap up. We should probably have dinner. But I was going to say, do you want? Do you have any um, direct pointings that maybe you did for Sam or for others that you'd be willing to take us through? Or hmm. do you think it's? Yeah, I could. I, maybe I could read a passage from. Yeah, please. Um, Can I show them the book real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you changed the cover, which I think is is beautiful cover. Yeah, I like um, it. This extraordinary moment, and it's available on Amazon. And I'll put a link to your website and the ways to get the book and everything. So let me hand that to you because. What I found, John, is first of all, since you're a trained and practicing musician, mm -hmm. your voice is really lends itself to these kind of pointers. Oh. Um, and and so it kind of disarms the thinking mind, the analytic mind, because the analytic mind wants to go, uh, this guy, what, what's up with his voice? Or, you know, whatever it is, it wants to find something to tell a some story problem. about. Yeah, some problem that it can solve by either turning it off or by complaining or by feeling superior or inferior or whatever it is. And you kind of, you get rid of that problem. And then your pointers are very, very direct. Uh, and again, like I'll talk right to the camera while you're looking for one. I'll say this, there's a reason that we talk about this, you know, seemingly, you know, mystical esoteric stuff. There's nothing mystical or esoteric. It's right in front of your face. But the second reason is what we talked about, which is if you think there's a problem in this moment and it's causing suffering, you always have this, option to look at the moment from the perspective of the absolute reality of this moment telling you what it is and that's free it's liberated from suffering it is it is it is very liberative um all right maybe i'll i'll read this kind of um passage that's really a guided inquiry and i <clears throat> i say this when i um i was saying i just recorded some new meditations and i um decided to make it more explicit more clear hopefully that when when you hear words like oh, I'm about to read, it can sound like I'm I'm inviting you to explore the ideas conceptually, right? Consider them conceptually, and that's fine to do. But I'm really um, inviting you to look in your experience to see if what I'm talking about makes sense. Mm. Look in your experience, not in your thoughts. That's very different. Um. I'll say one one other thing about this. This is called presence. This particular um, little short chapter, and um, you know, there's a lot of talk in spiritual, even psychological circles now about presence becoming more present, uh, and it's usually conceived of something that 
we can practice and by practicing sort of experience it more often and then we, presence is something essentially that can come and go right um and if we feel practices can help it to come and go less then we'll engage in those practices try to stabilize that or sustain it more and have more presence right experience the sense of presence and that's all fine but there's another presence that i talk about which is a presence that doesn't come and go and that is the presence of what is mm. that doesn't come and go does it no paradoxically it's always coming and going as all of this flux and flow and right transiency of of phenomena experiential phenomena but what is is always here so that's a presence that it's ever present it doesn't go anywhere so it's unconditioned and that's the presence i'm interested in talking to people about and inviting them to notice presence a word we often hear in psychological and spiritual circles tends to be spoken of as if it were some rarefied state distinct from other states and definitely not what we're currently experiencing. Presence tends to get framed as some special realm or dimension of consciousness that we must somehow locate, cultivate, practice, rest in, commit ourselves to, and so on. But rather than assuming this to be true, let's look to see if it's actually the case. Consider the following. Has there ever been a time when presence was in fact absent or missing? Is that even possible? Hasn't something always been present? Hasn't something always been here? Look and see if you have ever lost or been separate from presence. Teachings may proclaim that such experiences as thinking or the sense of being a separate person somehow veil or keep us from realizing presence. But whether we call it thinking or feeling a sense of separation, the presence of any experience is by definition still present. The experiences we label as stuck, twisted up in knots, frustrated, lost, grasping, annoyed, These are nothing but pure, unadulterated, sparkling, alive presence. The truth is that presence need not be sought or practiced, for there is nothing but presence, even if that which is present is constantly changing from moment to moment. Now, while something is clearly present, Notice that we cannot at the same time say precisely what that something is, since what's present is really beyond any and all definitions. Try it right now. Feel what's here, experientially. Feel whatever is arising in this oh-so-fleeting moment. You You may have many different names for it, but see that no conceptual labels apply. For whatever is present cannot be collapsed into any description or category. Thinking, sensing, feeling, the seeing of light, the hearing of sound, the deepest sorrow, the greatest joy. While undeniably present, none of these labels is capable of adequately conveying the infinite, indefinable nature 
of what's actually here. The pure presence and utter mystery of this. The most obvious quality of this, though, that is present, is that it is. Whatever is here, however we might conceive of it, it's all pure vitality, pure aliveness. While the diverse forms, shapes, colors, and textures this can take are absolutely staggering, that it even exists at all seems the most astounding mystery and miracle. This is. Wow. How is that even possible? How is it that anything is actually here? That anything exists? Feel that. Whatever shape reality might be taking, feel the awesome power and vitality that is its very existence. Feel this, the undeniable, inescapable, potent presence of presence, the here of here. And now notice that it's not presence on one side, knowing, watching, or being aware of something else over there. No, it's all presence. No inside, no outside. No here, no there. But simply this that's present. There isn't anything else. For after all, what else could there ever be? If something else were to appear, something else were to become known, it would still be just this, presence. Were we to become aware of some other dimension, some other realm or reality, we would still be right here, knowing and feeling the presence of it. We could travel to the farthest reaches of the cosmos, have the most mind-boggling, transcendental, otherworldly experiences, and it would still be just this, this very presence. Great to chat with you again. What a joy. It's no words. John no Aston, the link's in the thing. Share the video or don't. You'll do it now. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. Thanks, John. Great to be with you again. Take care, brother. We have. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithms to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters. 
and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.